This segment of the podcast is sponsored by Traveling Nice Experiences, here to help you create new memories one experience at a time. Contact Traveling Nice Experiences at www.travelingniceexperiences.com to book your summer 2021 travel. Once again, that's www.travelingniceexperiences.com. We're ready to help you create your next memorable experience. Previously on the What a Word podcast. So you, if you, as you put God first in your journey, as you recognize that, you know, this is, this journey is, has ups and downs. It's for you to learn, you know, for you to grow. You can't grow without pain. Nothing grows without pain, Right. So there's going to be some pain along the way, but it helps to shape your character. So for me, again, my goal is that through my journey, it can help to inspire others so that they can recognize the importance of their own journey so that they can be the total them. You know, I keep saying, be the total you. I think God has created every single one of us with a purpose that we are supposed to fulfill in this earth. Um, and that purpose that we're supposed to fill does not compete with anyone else. And I think with people beginning to understand that, then you won't compete with anyone. You'll be more inclined to help each other. I'm going to help you on your journey as you help me on mine because there's a lane for each person to play in because God created that space. So You are listening to the What a Word podcast an interview-style podcast where guests bring their unique experiences and insight on culture, life's challenges, and faith. Each episode is seasoned with words which will inspire and encourage. Now here is your host, Ryan Sharp. Welcome to the What A Word podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sharp. Good word from my guest from season one, Crystal Ward. Uh, please share your feedback. Uh, reach out to me via WhatsApp, uh, Instagram. Please let me know your thoughts on the recap, also known as the podcast dub plate. Uh, Crystal really served a great word. And I'm thankful, Crystal, for what you reminded us of. But I'm asking my listeners, if you've been blessed by the recaps, please drop me a line. Please share your feedback on your insight on those small snippets. Um, it, it would really um, let me know that you are connecting and um, that you're encouraged by it. And I believe you'll be encouraged by my guest today, Pastor Dudley Francois. He has a ministry that has serious import because as we discuss what's happening with many organizations, uh, places of worship, we see that young people and young adults are having difficulty connecting. And my guest serves as the lead pastor for a church called My Generation. And he'll discuss more about that ministry, his own journey, his background, and you'll find out also why my guest is a Boston Celtic fan. He is currently the pastor of the My Generation Church, as I've indicated. 
and he is happily married to his wife, Gina, a registered nurse since 2011. And together they have two young children, son Pierce and daughter Jordan Taylor. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Pastor Dudley Francois to the Water Word Podcast. Welcome, Pastor. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? How you doing? Good, man. Thank you so much for coming on. I, um, Before we started recording, I mentioned that you were on a short list of speakers for a reunion some young adults and I were putting together for a, for, uh, a church many of us no longer attend, but we were thinking each year to have a reunion where we would gather. And the person we thought of was you because you're doing impactful ministry. Pastor Dudley is the lead pastor of the MyGen Church. And um, Pastor, I wanted to get into a little bit about what led you into ministry. Oh, that that's, that's sort of um, a loaded question because it implies that um, there was something in me that led me into ministry and it really wasn't. To be truly honest, my entire life was running from ministry, to be honest with you. Um, I, I felt the tug of going into ministry since I was, I don't know, maybe 16 years old. Um, I have actually a, a pretty interesting story about that. I remember at a week of prayer at my home church, um, I remember Pastor Paul Graham came and did a week of prayer for us. Um, and I remember on a Tuesday, I don't know why I, I remember it was a Tuesday, but on a Tuesday, I remember him preaching and everybody was like saying amen and just really feeling his sermon. And I remember I wasn't necessarily affirming what he was saying as much as I was affirming how he was saying it. I was kind of mapping out how he strategically put together the sermon in my mind. I, I could almost like anticipate how he was he was how he was breaking it down, what he was going to say next. It was interesting. I like at the end of the sermon, um, at the end of the service, like I went to him um, and I said, hey, pastor, great sermon. Um, I was really blessed by it. And I asked him just randomly, I said, how did you know um, you're going to be a pastor? And he said, um, never forget this. He said, you know, um, I, I felt like one day, I, is his words, I went to somebody, I went to a pastor and I, I told the pastor, hey, pastor, you know, great sermon. Um, you know, when I was listening to your sermon, I wasn't listening to what you were saying, but how you were saying it. And I was blown away because that's exactly what happened with me. And so I instantly got fearful of that um, because, you know, growing up in the church, there's a stigma around like the pastor's life and how hard it is. And I just really didn't want to go. Go, go do all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I kind of ran into doing other ministry. Like I was really, like for people who know me in New York, um, growing up in New York, um, I was really invested in like youth ministries, Pathfinder. Every week I was in my Mastercard uniform. Um, and, I, and I was kind of using that as a way for me to run from what God had really, really wanted me to do. Um, and so, yeah, I've been running my whole life until eventually, you know, 2008 came through the recession happened um I, at that point i was working for a graphic design a company web a web development company um they were making cuts they they cut me i said i'm in new york i'm gonna find another job couldn't find another and like there was like i don't want to say a guilt 
uh, because guilt has a certain connotation to it. But it, it was like a, a weight that was like, are you really going to run? Is This is the opportunity. And when you feel like you can't sleep, like that's the only thing on your mind and you know you're not producing it, I'm all right, God, this is it. And so the rest is history. So I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop running from the call. And I went back to school and that's what it was. That's powerful. That's powerful. Just in line with what you said about seeing someone whose ministry you admired, when yeah. you started doing ministry, did people try to fit you into another mold? Did you find that as your early experience? Um, well, I, I, I was blessed to have um, leaders who kind of allowed me to do me. I think I think they kind of trusted me in a lot of ways. Um, and and that, that's not really telling, especially <laughs> growing up in our church. But I was really blessed with um, uh, leaders that kind of trusted me to kind of do my own thing. And so I, I was kind of used to creating something, things like something out of nothing. Um, remember uh, starting up um, a ministry with a friend of mine, um, Jennifer, at our home church and uh, called, called the Bible Unplugged. It was a Friday night um, afternoon program. Um, and just creating something out of nothing, whether it was drama ministry, whether it was you know, debate, whether it was a musical, we literally did a, put together a musical uh, from scratch. So, so it, it, it just, it was, what it was what it was. So I, I never felt placed into a box. It gave me the, the freedom to kind of be very creative, very expressive. And so now ministry wasn't necessarily written in the context or in, in the confines of what uh, the church felt was necessary. And so it allowed me to do ministry that I felt was necessary for the people. Um, and so now it became more meaningful just because you can just do things that, you know, scratch, scratches where, it, where it itches versus doing things that are just, you know, productive. That's the reason why I can't, you know, well, this is your podcast. I'm gonna let you lead it. But that's the reason why sometimes youth ministries frustrates me nowadays. Uh, just its system and its program. I think it's, it, it's just so structured, so tight that you can't be able to scratch where it itches, but that's another conversation for another day. Wow. Wow. So. I want to get into the call to go to MyGen. You'd obviously been doing um, ministry as a pastor at a local church for some time. I, I, I want to know what went through your mind when you were selected or appointed to lead MyGen. And just for our listeners, and I'll allow you to amplify it, MyGen, as I understand it anyway, and you can correct me, Pastor, is a church designed primarily with youth and young adults in mind. Mm -hmm. And many of these youth and young adults, from my vantage point, are battle-tested. Uh, many of them grew up in settings that are conservative. Um, many of them were introduced to church by parents. And then suddenly, um, there's a vision now for a ministry that has them in mind. And... Um, by no means are you the first pastor to lead that church, but you get a call at some point that says, Pastor Dudley, we're entrusting you with leading this very important ministry. What was going through your mind when you got the call? Uh, well, um, at that point, I don't know if I was, um, if I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. Um, but I knew I was ready for change. I knew I was ready uh, to take on the mantle and to do something that I felt 
um, sort of walk within the niche that I, I that, that I felt was important. Um, but my gen is very, very unique, right? So the history of the My Generation Church, well, it's called My Generation Church now, uh, the history of My Gen Church as a church plant um, and the, the, the founder of it, um, I guess his vision was uh, more or less a young adult church in New York City that spoke to young adults, specifically the millennial generation and uh, catered to, you know, what they felt was necessary. Um, and that was it, was, it was great, but it also had challenges, uh, something like any, any church plan has, especially when you don't have that much, that many resources coming in, but you don't have a parent church. Uh, so there are, there are blessings and curses because, because you don't have a parent church, uh, you don't have anyone dictating what you're doing, but you also have difficulties because you don't have money coming in. Um, and so people and money and all these different things that allow it to function. And so Majin had a lot of its um, its uh, challenges before I got there. And I literally, when I got installed uh, there, it was literally um, on the third floor of uh, Northeastern Academy at the time um, on in the Port Washington, area or the Fort Washington, I'm sorry, area of, of Manhattan. Um, and it was on a hill far away. I mean, so, and when I got there, literally the church was consisted of seven people with fold up chairs. Like that's, that's all I had on the third floor of a school with seven people and fold up chairs. And they, but so that that's the negative, but the positive is you have the ability to, to build your church your own way. There, there's no ideology that challenges you. There's nothing, you know, there's no framework that's going to keep you. It's just you, your creativity and God. Um, or maybe I should rearrange that order, but, you know, and and, and see and, and, and do what you have to do. And so um, with that, when I approached my gen, I kind of wanted to take a, a macro approach at it first. I kind of wanted to see exactly what it was, what was its intention based on the founder and then see if it's working what is this concept and to see what i does it fit in where i feel like god is leading me to what church is um and it, it didn't and so i changed a lot of it but we can get to that in a second let's do it doc let's do it let's talk about you know what you your vision was once you hit the ground running well, um, the first thing I wanted to do is I, I felt that my gen, the problem that I felt with the church at the time was I felt like although it spoke a lot of words that were necessary for people to hear, like, oh, it's progressive, oh, it's for millennials or whatever, yada, 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 it, would, it, it just felt for me very gimmick based. You know, it, there were a lot of programs, a lot of um, topics, a lot of things that they did that I felt like were just, um, what do you call the clickbait things you do for young, for young people to come out, but it wasn't things that I felt like were building, um, the, the spirituality of my generation, you know, um, no pun intended. And so I felt like we needed to kind of take a step back and begin to start to, um, teach, the church about what church is. If we have the chance to build 
up a church. Let's build church the right way. And that's literally our slogan, you know, building church the right way. What does church look like? Building church the right way. And so in that, our, our, our sermons are a lot different. Our study is a lot different. It's a lot more meaningful. It doesn't necessarily speak to the, um, you know, oh, we're going to just talk about sex and relationships. Not necessarily saying that sex and relationship isn't a good topic, but, you know, I, that, that I feel like the Bible speech, it speaks and, and teaches more than what I feel is is the things that we feel attract youth and young adults. Um, also, I also had a problem with saying that a, a church like my gen only speaks to youth and young adults. I didn't like the stigma of feeling like the my generation church was a church for young people or a church for young adults. I believe it, it, a church is a church for everybody and that its ideology should match how you see church and how you'd want to perform now now if it, if it caters to a younger crowd then i i can understand that because more younger people are more, probably more motivated to understand and see that that premise move toward that ideology and enjoy the church but i've never wanted to see it to be a young person's church because i young people are going to be older eventually so what are you going to say when you know when I get older now and I'm 50 years old that I have to leave the church because technically it's a young adult church it doesn't make any sense and so you should never cater a church based on a youth church or it just doesn't make any sense you know because time will happen so it really should be on principles and really should be on ideologies and as we we formed a team and as more people began to start to buy in to the idea mind you I mean me being from New York, I had to call in a lot of favors from a lot of people that I knew from, from beforehand, and a lot of people who just loved it, the concept and um, trusted me based on ministry that they've seen me do in the past, and they just jumped on board, and they, and they just loved it, and then from there, we kind of rebranded the church from My Gen Church, which in itself, I felt it was a little bit of a gimmick, like literally My Gen, the term My Gen is a, it's a nickname, it's a, you can't call a church by its nickname and so i i rebranded it and say no it's the my generation church and so it's a church for any anyone can claim it's my generation it speaks to every generation because it speaks to the principle and so even though i have no problem we all call it my gen but you know i wanted to make sure that it it, it its brand and its symbol was a, a lot different and so we we changed the logo we, we, we redefined the name the concept the uh the mission statement um in the entire field and then um by the grace of god um as we began to grow in the school and people just started coming and we 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 started doing well eventually moved we we actually felt the need to um uh, get our own place and so the church came to a, a, a real fork in the road a real decision making um question of what church we what type of church do we want to be do we want to be a uh congregational church do we want to be a church that um people come and drive to or do we want to be a missional church do we want to be a church that serves the community and obviously we, we chose the latter and so with that you know we, we weren't just picking a location for the sake of picking a location we wanted to pick a community that we felt one did not have the adventist message did not have um, uh, um, you know, that type of message saturated in this community, as well as a, a community that we felt was uh, necessary for us to, you know, plant roots towards. And so uh, prayerfully, we came up with Harlem, Harlem amongst the Adventist, um, you know, churches in New York City. Harlem doesn't really have that much representation of churches. Uh, you know, we have Ephesus and 
um, we have a city tab. Um, we have some of the Haitian churches, Marijah and, uh, and Bethel. And I believe that's it. Um, you know, I, I know there's New Hope also SDA, but I'm not, I'm not sure too sure of their status. But, but it wasn't as much as saturated as like the Bronx or Brooklyn or Queens, Long Island. It just wasn't. And so we said, okay, since we're already in Manhattan, let's just stay in Manhattan and just uh, and focus on Harlem. And so we found a space there and um, it's literally, it's still right now, it is a, a storefront. It's all we can afford. Um, <laughs> planted ourselves there. And Ryan, I'm telling you right now, I mean, right before COVID, I mean, we we were standing room only, you know, um, and, 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 you know, we weren't, it wasn't sermons every week. It was more discussions. Our, our sanctuary isn't necessarily pews. It's couches and it seems more like a lounge, pardon the connotation when some people, they hear lounge and they instantly think sin. Um, but no, it's just a very comfortable area where people are able to sit, converse, um, worship, uh, dialogue and not feel the pressure of leaving when you know the benediction happens um and and from there we we just we just took off and um we're, we're really excited about um that premise and just kind of making sure again that we're trying to do church the right way by by holding down to principles that's awesome man now pastor did it surprise you um you started you said when you initially saw the plan seven members how surprising was it to you that folks were gravitating towards the ministry? Um, from the seven members to where we are now? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I found, I was, I'm, I was very humbled. My, me leading the My Generation Church today is a very humbling experience. It's really redefined my view towards church, God, myself it's humbled me in a lot of ways um because trying to build something out of nothing man keeps you constantly on your knees um why do i feel it it it, it grew i i really feel like it's because the team that we initially had from the seven that grew to about 20 that 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 first initial group of people that decided to want to come and come for the right reasons, really had a desire to, because they had an experience of what church was and they were either burnt from their old church experience or you know, just needed something that was a little bit more meaningful. Everyone had a Christian experience that gave them a context to see church in a way that can affect them on a Tuesday and not just a Saturday. And I really gotta give a lot of credit um, to the team, to to a bunch of young adults who were just captivated and kind of ran with it. And I try my best not to necessarily be a micromanager, but to support people and give people the ability to just allow them to understand the principle of the Bible so that we're not going too crazy and loose. Um, but once we, we, we were fortified with the principles, things just went um, things just, 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 just grew in a way that we couldn't expect. And, and so I'm not really too surprised by it, but I'm humbled by it. I'm humbled by that initial group and what they were able to see. Um, because I'll, I'll tell you, Ryan, like <laughs> you have to have some level of genuine desire to see something become something 
when you are going to that church. When we were at the school, literally no trains go there. Like the, the, you have to get the A train and from the A train last stop, you're walking another seven, eight, nine blocks. And then from there, you're literally climbing a, a hundred foot stairwell just to get to the school. And then from the school, there's no elevator or at least the elevator is not working. So you have to climb another three flights of stairs just to get to the church. When you get there, you're the people that's setting up. It's not like you have your, your the deacons and the deaconesses already working there for you. The same people that are doing the program is the same people that are put, you know, tearing down and, and building up and, and that same process over and over again. So it must mean that you might, your heart must be in the right place. You're not coming for the show because if you're coming for the show, the glitz, the glamour and all these different stuff, there are a whole bunch of other churches you could have went to. And so I, I credit the, where my gen is now from those core people, because those core people was there when it was hard, when it was really difficult. Um, and for that, I'm, I'm really humbled. I, I see ministry a lot differently because of that. It's changed the way in which I see church. Good points. What does it say about the larger church that from your core group, the talent that you saw, the urgency, yeah. the investment, the maturity, what does it say about our larger church yeah, that's a, that's a, that some of these core members had to find somewhere else to serve? That's a good question. And and, and, and so, you know, somebody, somebody can hear that question and already feel that it might be loaded. Oh, well, you know, bigger churches, they don't give enough you know, um, opportunity for other people. And so other people have to find their own way. And so, yeah, you could say that. Um, but so that's, that's a question that has been given to me about my gen and, and its success and its growth over the, you know, two plus years that I've been there so far. I can't believe it's been that long. COVID has really messed me up on the timeline. But, um, but a lot of people have asked me the question about, hey, pastor, you know, this thing is growing pretty fast. You know, how big do you want this thing to be? And I said, to be honest with you, you know, if we're trying to do church the right way, I don't think, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, dispel or poo-poo our, our bigger churches, our bigger churches. I've held down ministry money-wise and ministry-wise in a lot of different ways, but I don't know how a church can be that large and succeed in the ways it's supposed to succeed. Now you can succeed, you know, externally, but internally it's hard for a person to find an opportunity for them to serve in a, in a, in a bigger church. What I found with my gen, I said, to be honest with you, I, once my gen gets 200 members, we're planning another church. Like my vision is hopefully we have my gen Harlem, my gen in Queens, my gen, that's my, that's my, greater um, goal, hopefully by God's grace, that we're able to establish Harlem and allow Harlem to be that hub and then plant my generation church, Queens, my generation church, wherever it is and begin to start to build that way. Because I, I don't necessarily believe, because you, you need people that have room for them to work and serve. You have to allow their faith to work and, and serve. If there's no area for a person to serve, if they're just coming just to be a spectator it's hard for you to, to, to allow Christians to be who I believe God has called for them to be. And so I, I don't ever think 
uh, that a church gets too large um, because I just feel like it, it doesn't um, give for the growth that I feel it, 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 it needs. One of the things I learned um, from our annual reunion, our, our local church did one and we were set to do another before COVID is that uh, young adults, the earning capacity is out of this world. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I took it for granted that my peers had such earning power and not only earning power, their vision and creativity was out of this world. I don't know if we've tapped into that potential. I think what I've found anyway is that a lot of youth and young adults are uh, more or less disengaged from regular church life as we know it. It doesn't say anything about their private devotional life, et cetera, but they're not doing regular church the regular way. Right. Has my gen had to deal with criticism because of the outside of the box type of ministry that you do? Of course. <laughs> you hate this kid hate. You know, I don't well, yeah, I, I, you know, but who cares? Like, so yeah, so there, 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 there's definitely um, some naysayers, um, but 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 unfortunately, they can't. At least under my ministry, they can't necessarily um, pick at the things that we're doing, especially because I've tried my best to eliminate the gimmicks, and so now, you, I, to be honest with you, I mean, I don't. I, I can say this confidently about our church. I can't necessarily say about any other church, but for my church, we preach a lot of Bible. I mean, you come to my generation church. We, I mean, we, we, we did a four month series on Saturdays and Tuesdays of the entire Daniel and revelation. I mean, verse by verse. Um, if you're looking for like Bible content, you just, I mean, we're not doing any fluff here. I mean, I'm in the middle right now like right before we we started recording this I'm, I'm in the middle of preparing um our genesis series and, and getting in through the context of that and so and so it, it's hard for people to nitpick exactly what we're doing as much as they might nitpick the fact that oh well you know baptize your own people you know don't steal our people let i think that's the the thing that i'm hearing so far that you know, a lot of young people are leaving our church to come to your church. And, you know, um, that doesn't necessarily give you the credit because we're the one that baptized them and you didn't baptize them. Um, okay, I guess, um, you know, I didn't, I'm not necessarily forcing anyone though to, to come. I think a lot of people who come, they come based on their own convictions. Um, uh, I, 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 we do, we do baptize people. We baptize people before. So I think that that's just, there's a, there's a concept of, of the, of the fear that they have of losing what they felt like they invested, even though investment means a lot more than just, um, baptism and, um, you know, but it is what it is. And so, and so now they, they are realizing, I think a lot of churches are realizing the, the the lack of inclusion they had towards a particular generation and now the chickens are coming home to roost and before where before it might not necessarily have been a threat because there was not an option for people to leave to go to 
Now there is. The My Generation Church represents, an, um, and I, I don't, I don't want to come across as adversarial or a competitive because we're all, you know, really under the same goal here. Um, but I think a lot of people look at us to be a competition and they see us to be a threat. I don't even know why that language should even be there if we're all working for the same goal, but they, they do see it that way. And because of that, you, you'll always find the naysayers, but it, it, it is what it is. It's not, it's not necessarily, it should never lead towards um, an idea of members and who has the most or the least. It, it, it should be how many people are being saved? Where are people's hearts and convictions? Are people being prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ? If that is the goal, if that's what we're supposed to be preaching that, right? If that is the, the end goal, then it shouldn't matter to you where anybody goes, you know, if they're they're being blessed, their hearts are being changed and so on. But not the world we live in, unfortunately. Are you enjoying the What A Word podcast and want to learn how to share it with others on social media? It's easy. Go on your favorite podcast app, find the What A Word podcast and hit share. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss any episodes. And if this podcast has encouraged or inspired you, then please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us easier. Thank you. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed too, uh, it's it's a constant conversation for guys I grew up with. Uh, many of us are from the Caribbean. Um, but most of us have spent more time here in the States than our place of birth. Right. And there was a certain tension in the way we were socialized and our youth and young adult experience. So you're in a culture where people don't relate the way you were used to relating back home. And you're changing as well because you're becoming an adult, a man-child in the promised land, so to speak. And what we found, the tension we found was the relatability factor with most of the pastors who shepherded us. And they were good guys. I mean, personable, love Jesus, love saving souls. But we never felt our average pastor had a top 10 favorite rapper list. <laughs> there was a disconnect in terms of our culture and what we had grown up around, right? So in terms of urban ministry, you mentioned the church plant. Do you sincerely believe a MyGen is needed in every city and in every county in New York State, a MyGen plant? Ooh, well, it, it may not necessarily be a MyGen plant, but I do believe that church planting for the sake of targeting a purpose is necessary because I, I find that, okay, so you can, you can, you can, for lack of a better term, attack the, the, the apathy of ministry in two different ways. Uh, 
you can either continue to keep pushing the same agendas that we've been doing till kingdom come, or you can completely shatter the mold. There is no in-between, in my opinion, in my opinion, there's no in-between. And so, and so for me, I find that you have two narratives that's either support your church, stay in your church, young people stay in your church, you are the church, um, yada, yada, yada. And then there are some people who are called, some young adults who are called to continue to hold up the banner in their local church. And, and God bless you. Um, and, but, but I do, do feel that for a lot of young people, there isn't enough room for them to do so. And so I feel like for the, for the success of ministry, period, there needs to be church planting. Now, now, how now? It, it might look like my gen. It may not look, look like my gen. It might be, it might be urban um, focus as my gen is. It may not necessarily be, you know, to each his own. I, I don't necessarily feel that, you know, you need a my gen upstate. <laughs> you may not necessarily get the urban responses you're looking for, um, but I do believe that in every city, major city, there needs to be, you know, this an idea. Uh, and a concept of a church that speaks to the relevance of the culture and the, the, the tone of the, the, the city. Let me tell you why, Ron. Because, so you, you, you were talking about, um, you know, growing up in the Caribbean, but, be, you know, pretty much being here for more of your time. So my problem or what I found with comes to churches, because me, me growing up in a Caribbean church as well, you know, in a Haitian church as well, uh, I found that the, and I'm not, you know, disparaging, you know, you know, immigrants, um, I, you know, my parents are immigrants, uh, but the, we have to accept the ideology that is given there, because if you have the mentality coming from wherever you're coming from, wherever you call home to America, you're coming with the idea of this place that I'm coming to I want to succeed by all costs. I'm going to work hard. And if I don't get the success, at least the next generation, my kids are going to benefit from the hard work because I'm doing this for the sake of making my family and, you know, better. And, and, and that's great. And so you do everything in this country, not for the effort of making the country better, but you're doing it just to reap the rewards from what the country has to offer. Because for me, when I was growing up and you know, when Thanksgiving came around and my aunts and uncles came by and they were talking, everything they were talking about was back home. President back home, this is what's going on back home. And I always always be like, well, well if, if home is Haiti, then what, what do you call this? And so, and so if you already have the mentality that the place in which I live is not my home, if that's already your mentality, when you look at your normal life, then how do you apply that to, to spiritually? How do you apply that to your ministry? And so, so you can't deny the fact that that's also attributed to the way in which you look at church. And so there, so for many Caribbean-based churches that have come to the States, they've come with the mentality of let's just infiltrate set up our own space so we can do our own thing, reap the rewards and leave. And so there are many churches that build up their church. They bought whatever property they can afford. 
no matter what community it was in, didn't even care about the community they were in. They were just buying up the, the, the place that they can find, set up their little church and worship. They come in on Saturday and migrate in, worship, and they leave. And the community didn't even know they existed. You know, lest you have enough resources where you're able to do any positive change or anything like that. Majority of our churches just worship and then they leave. And so that's the problem. And so in order for us to change that, we need churches that are planted for the intention of the community. We, there needs to, I mean, it necessarily look like my gem, but there needs to be a mindfulness of what's the culture? What's the framework? What's the, that's the cause, the reason of this community? What does this community need? If we're going to build a church, let's build a church for the sake of the people that live in the community. Um, and I find that for my gen, coming to Harlem was the best thing for us because it's really centered us around, you know, what we're going to be, be who we are, and then ultimately the, the 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 rewards that we're reaping because of it. Awesome, man. And I see the elements are there. Good worship, uh, good praise and worship, fellowship, good preaching, uh, authentic ministry. In fact, it seems the church is able to get to the issues that affect uh, the members. Uh, you guys have talks, seminars on anxiety, uh, depression, forgiveness, uh, purity, uh, sexual challenges, etc. Um, getting right to the Toxic heart people. of <laughs> Toxic yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. I mean, it would seem to me that um, you're able to get to what the triggers are of individuals because you've kind of um, removed the non-issues for members. And Right. People may not understand that for most churches, even the, the, the way one worships could be a subject of debate and um, warfare. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's tremendous, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that. Doc, I wanted to know um, your course of study, uh, Washington Adventist University, um, Mm -hmm. uh, bachelor's in theology, uh, concentration in pastoral ministry, uh, an interest, um, strong interest in media ministry, uh, graphic design. How did the two come together in terms of uh, ministry for you? Oh, um, well, I, I've always done graphic design um, all, really all my life. I was always a graphic designer making flyers and stuff like that. I felt like that was really my niche. That's why I felt like I was, I was going to be growing up. So um, for me, it kind of, it kind of came together. Well, COVID was, was, was great for us, um, but it, it really came together the, the concept of media ministry and it really came together, especially because I realized the importance of branding. Um, branding is extremely important. I, I don't know if a lot of um, churches recognize that brand, not necessarily visual branding, but branding on a whole in regards to your marketing, your messaging, and all of those things are extremely important. Uh, and so for me, you know, working as a web development, as a web developer, uh, initially has really given me a lot of learning about how that works for businesses. And so then when I was able now to become a pastor, I said, hold on, I'm not just going to do things for the sake of doing things. I'm not just going to do things because the manual tells me to do it. 
um, I'm going to do things based on what my what the brand is, not even the vi the mission statement, which I feel like a lot of people just say it, but they don't really um, apply it. What's the brand? What what exactly? What's the feel? Does do do I want people to get when they when they 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 experience uh, the My Generation Church? And from that, it made media ministry a lot easier. It made it a lot more intentional. It 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 caused uh, for there to be a certain look and a certain feel. And from that, um, the the rest became um became easy. Um, I I work with a great um uh designer as well god has given us an amazing graphic designer um ironically same name as you ryan uh at our church who does fantastic work with graphics and then between him, him and myself um you know not to have one graphic designer but two graphic designers in the church one that you know really does well with stills and images myself you know i do well with that but i i'm also very good in, in video editing and you know uh, creating opens and all these different uh, other flares and so because of that it made a lot of things a lot more easier and a lot more intentional and so um, when we we're able to go into COVID times and when we we're able to go online it was a lot easier for us to transition simply because not just because we had the knowledge but we knew what we were trying to get across what the feel was what the brand was and so there are many people who have a lot of like a lot of music they have a lot of graphics as well but it may not necessarily come across the way they would want it to come across because they don't know what they're branding branding is extremely important with media ministry you don't know your brand media and media is just an outlet it's just a way for you to communicate what you're trying to get across so if you don't know what you're trying to get across it doesn't matter how many colors you have and how many transitions you give Gotta get, gotta, gotta get the message across. Some points. I wanna take you back a little bit, Pastor. Your church was growing at a good pace before COVID. Uh, many of us have theorized what may have been happening emotionally, mentally, and spiritually and otherwise for youth and young adults. But being a pastor of a church primarily composed of that group, what were you seeing? Um, from your members in terms of the response, um, not only to the health pandemic, but also to the racial pandemic, which was heightened during that time as well. Uh, I, I, I'd like to say that when there's a will, there's a way. Um, I find, I, I really feel like the My Generation Church, the people that we have, man, you can put them in Alaska and they'll find a way to do something meaningful. Just, just how people they are. Uh, and so credit to God and credit to them for um, just being great. Uh, I, I, COVID, we, were, we thrived in COVID. I'm not going to lie to you. We, we thrived. Our church grew in, in, during COVID. We have a lot of online members we have not met. I mean, I've, I've, there are members I have not physically seen yet um, that have joined the My Generation Church uh, since COVID has started. Uh, I say to God, God be the glory for that. I, I, I really feel like it, not just the fact that for, especially for the youth and young adult uh, age range, because, because any and every online experience wasn't necessarily catered to them, 
it was easier to get a bigger audience, even more so than asking everybody to drive to Harlem and find parking in Harlem. We were standing room only, don't get me wrong, but now we, we kind of opened ourselves more up to New York City, more opened ourselves more up um, to the world in a, lot of that, in a lot of ways. And so with that, just making sure that we continue to remain um, centered on what our goal was. Because Ron, I, I'm telling you, I think a lot of our success in COVID and the reason why there are a lot of people who came to us, they came to us because it's important for a church to recognize that it is an, a hospital, but that not every hospital is called to be a general hospital. Like you with me? Like there are many, the problem that I find with sometimes with churches and the reason why I feel like my gen has done well is because my gen didn't try to bite off more than it could chew. Um, and I'm gonna get to the social justice thing in a second, but what I felt like what was good for us was we said, you know what, instead of trying to be a general hospital and meeting the needs of every single person and what they needed to cover, let's just be specialists at one thing. Let's just be great at one thing instead of trying to do 12 things. Because when you do 12 things to try to cover 12 things, you're gonna spread your rest resources, you're gonna spread yourself out too thin and you won't be able to, to, to make yourself meaningful. Um, and the reality is too, especially we're trying to be a church that meets Harlem, that's supposed to help Harlem. The reality is, you know how many <laughs> non-Adventist churches already have Harlem locked down? I mean, Harlem in itself and the black community and, and, and what Harlem means um, to the, the, the history and the story of the black struggle, you know, you sure. think that, that churches already have its, you know, its staple. And so I'm not going to dare try to challenge my, you know, our, our place and com, 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 compete with FCBC or to compete with, um, 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 the, the, our Baptist churches and our Pentecostal churches that have been doing um, their thing. And so the best thing I think for us was to just keep in our niche and be great in what we do. And so with that, our, our, our main focus was, all right, all we're going to be, all we're going to do is community relations. Like we're, we're not going to do anything else. We're not going to do health ministries. We're not going to do men's ministry. We're not going to we're not going to do anything. All of our resources is going to be towards serving people. That's all we're going to do. That's all our money is going to, going to reap through that. That music is, is all, all our budget is really, really um, centered towards that. And so because that was already our focus before COVID, and we did not try to change who we were because, okay, now more people are watching us. So let's try to see if we can do more. No. Let's not try to act like something that we're not. We're still a church plan. We still got, you know, less than 70 members. Let's chill here for a second and not, you know, think of ourselves too, too big. And so we just stay to, stay to our niche. And when you continue to stay to your niche, ironically, our niche also fed, it, fed to a need. And so now it was easier for us to, 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 to do a, a liberation rally after the death of, of, of the murder of, of George Floyd, it was easier for us to relate to, to our contacts at National Action Network and, 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 and to liaison with the different um, uh, community activists and, and, and workers. It was easier because we already had that network in before. And so, so all it was was just continuing to hammer down to that particular niche and, and allow it to grow. And so with, with COVID um, and during the time and during the social unrest 
Um, we just felt the need to make sure that our voice is heard um, and to not try to, to do more than what the Lord has called for us to do. Um, that God has given everyone a certain ability. And so just playing your role and see what the Lord is able to do, how the Lord is able to uh, give you increase and, and just worked out pretty well for us. Awesome, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, so, Pastor, I have to ask you, you know, you obviously have the spirit of Christ, but I'm wondering if that's what led you to become a Boston Celtic fan. Finding, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yo, you know. Boston. <laughs> oh, man, we, we, we were playing good recently, but this this season, good gracious, we was, oh, my Lord. So, so everyone's asking, a lot of you ask that question. Yo, Doug, you grew up in New York. How in the world? Well, first off, the same thing like my gen, when you find another option. I mean, look look at what New York had to offer. I mean, so let's 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 start there. Um, you know, so it's not like anybody can say, oh, well, why aren't you a Knicks fan? I mean, it's obvious. Um, and I'm a I'm a type of person, I'm a practical person. I, I'm a person that believes there's no way you're gonna pay your money and you're investing your time, your talent, and especially your treasures on something that isn't giving you any <laughs> anything to reap to reap mm -hmm. from that. And so um, I became a, a Celtics fan, in, ironically, in 2002. So you're the Rage on Rondo, Pierce, Garnet. Oh, no, way before, way before that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm Paul Pierce, uh, 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 Ricky Davis, um, okay. Antoine okay. Walker. Big Baby Davis. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, not Big Baby Davis. Don't talk about, I'm talking, see, that, that's even before. I'm, I'm not talking about Big Baby Davis. I'm talking about Antoine Walker, Ricky Davis, not Ricky Davis was a player back in the day. Um, that Celtics, that, that when we went to the Eastern Conference Finals and we played gotcha. the New Jersey Nets with, gotcha. J with Jason Kidd. Yeah, I'm gotcha. back then. Gotcha. I, I, was a, I was a Celtics fan in high school. I loved that run. And we, we eventually lost the Eastern Conference Finals and New Jersey went to go play the Lakers okay. in that finals. Um, and they lost Kobe. That was Kobe, I think, second ring or third ring. I, don't know, I think it was third. Anyway, um, yeah, so that, I became a Celtics fan from there because I just loved Paul Pierce's response. I believe it was in the second round with Indiana. And Paul was like going at um, Harrison from Indiana and just drained the three right in his face. And from there, I was like, yo, this dude is crazy. And so, yeah, I was a Celtics fan from there. And then we were doing pretty good. Don't get me wrong. Celtics were good. Like, I mean, we weren't contenders. We were never contenders. But we were doing pretty good in the early 2000s. And then by the mid-2000s, by 2005, 2006, oh, we were terrible. It was horrible to watch us. And then all of a sudden, Danny Ainge did, pulled something out of nothing, you know, took that pick, traded that pick got Ray Allen, and then from there, Kevin Garnett. The rest is history. Mm, wow, wow. It's not like I don't like the Knicks. I feel like I don't like Knicks fans because I feel like Knicks fans are like cowboy fans. They're like the second they smell a little bit of success, they start go New York, go New, and then everybody starts going crazy. I'm like, guys, it's like you guys have just made it over five hundred. And y'all acting like y'all like champions. So like, so I shouldn't relax. throw the word dynasty yet. <laughs> yeah, I would say let's get, let's get out the first round. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Now, get, let's get out the first round, and it, it is what it is. But I'll tell you this much: um, Tom Thibodeau coaching was was really important for you guys this year. 
coaching was really important for the Knicks this year. Really, 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 really important. And so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. Is what it is. Awesome, Doc. Man, thank you so much, Doc. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the importance of family, married to wife Gina, yeah. um, going on nine plus years. No, nine plus years. I would, no, we're, 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 <laughs> we're about to hit eight. Yes, I think. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. I think I saw a nine in the bio. So oh, really? you're right. I'm hoping you're oh, <laughs> right. Well, oh, something like that. Well, it's not, it's not 10 yet. It's not 10 yet. It's close. I don't know. So go home and talk. Um, <laughs> she go kill me for years. And, and a son, Pierce. Pierce named after Paul Pierce. Well, you know, the jury's out. Maybe it is, yeah, maybe yeah. it isn't. Uh, yeah, there's a story behind that. I don't know if we have enough time for that. But yeah, well, maybe, maybe <laughs> it is. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, my family's my family's great. Um, I, I, you know, I, I found myself, uh, especially with being a pastor, Man, mm-hmm. this thing has got giving you a lot of pressure, man. So, you know, I'm just trying to stay grounded. You know, do what you got to do, man. Come home. You know, and, and yeah. they've, they've been really great. I mean, we're homebodies. We don't really do much. I'm not really a, as much as you might you know, hear me. I'm like, hey, you know, Pastor Lee mm-hmm. is a cool guy. And, it, you know, I, I think I'm pretty dope, I, I'm, I'm a, I must say. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 a, I'm an in-home in person. And so, you know, my family is everything. You know, we that's what we're Gina's the person I joke with, my kids, you know, mm-hmm. people that I play with, you know, and it is what it is. So yeah, I love them. It's great. My my son Pierce, my daughter, daughter, the boss, Jordan. She mm-hmm. is the boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are my world. So, Pastor, I'll close with this. Um we are challenged with the fact that um our church is comprised primarily of women. And um, young adult women in particular have challenges finding, you know, I'll just put it in quotes, good Christian men. And men who are alpha males aren't particularly attracted to church and church life. Um, What is your hopefulness where this is concerned? Uh, The numbers are sobering for our sisters and many of the brothers who could offer so much to to service and ministry and have impact have no real interest in being connected to any church. Um, yeah. um, where do you find hopefulness where where these issues are concerned? And I'm sorry to drop this as a, the almost a yeah. final question <laughs> on you, but it's 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 one yeah, of import true. and you know. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, you know I. I I, I feel like that is a reality that is sobering. Um, I know that is something that is really affecting a lot of our um, our sisters, our queens. Um, but I, I always like to, and I don't know if I have the answer for everything, but uh, I always like to try to keep things in perspective and to say, well, According to the Bible, you know, relationships and, you know, the union of two people are in accordance to thus saith the Lord, right? God brought Adam and Eve together. And so in everything, in all, in all things, it works together for good to them who love the Lord. All things, whether good or bad, whether things, there, there is union or there isn't union. 
all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and go according to his purpose. And so I feel the, pro the, 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 the problem has really become not necessarily that there isn't enough men for our women, for lack of, you know, just, just to summarize it, but I feel like as if the message of, you know, someone being married needs to somehow be changed. Our church has really taught a lot of our women that you, you know, can't find success or happiness if you aren't married. And so because of that external pressure and because the, so, the, the social um, parameters has, has given us a feeling that you need companionship, that I feel like there's a lot of women who, who recognize that. If we are able to teach uh, a message of recognizing of saying that, you know, marriage is, be, is for the fact that someone needs a help meet. And if the Lord has not given you a help meet, it's because the Lord has decided for you not, you don't, ne you don't necessarily need help. You know, I find myself married doesn't necessarily just give me companionship as much as it gives me an ability for me to see myself. And so you got to embrace the fact that, you know, if, if the Lord has not called you to find someone, it's because the Lord has called you to be a person like a like the singleness of Adam in the Garden of Eden, just to manage and maintain, just to you watch and keep the Garden of Eden and be and be content in you and your relationship with God. Adam in his singleness had no you know, had no quarrel with him being single. He wouldn't even know he was single. And so God himself made him aware that he was single. So embrace your single. There's nothing wrong with being single. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we need to begin to start allow that message to be prominent. And so to change the mentality of making our ladies and some of our men for that matter, feel as if they are someone or they're identified because they are with someone you know, to change that mentality and, and to trust in the Lord in all things, to put things in his hand and know that if I'm the, if I'm a person, I'm a believer in what God is doing, then I have to trust that whatever God is doing or isn't doing is for my good. And it's setting me up to be the best version of myself for the sake of what he has prepared for me um, in the future. And the alpha males, Doc. Yeah, so that, 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 comes, that comes with, again, a, a specific ministry like there for men there needs to be a tangible ministry for uh the men of our generation there, there, there hasn't been enough transparency from the generation before us that taught us how to be comfortable being vulnerable as men and so because of the lack of transparency there has been a need to want to emulate a standard of being a man rather than embracing, you know, what a man is in who you are. And so now people, are, you know, a lot of men are just chasing the money because there's a standard of, of manhood that means you need to be, you know, grounded in, you know, your finances or whatever the case may be for you to be considered a man. Or, you know, you need to you know, have a lot of girls or whatever it is. And so because of those, all those stigmas, there, there just isn't enough role models. The, the same way with the social justice movement, in my personal opinion, um, is why everybody's running around with their chickens, you know, 
chickens with their heads cut off because there, there isn't enough leaders. With men, there needs to be some more leaders. I, I, I really feel like, and I, and I respect the ministry of like Dr. Myron Edmonds. Um, I even appreciate um, what's my brother's name from uh, from Ephesus, uh, Brother Graham, the, the brother of um, Paul and Patrick Graham. Gary. Gary, yeah, Gary's really big, really big on men's ministry. You know, just some guys who've just been really pioneers in, 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 in about that cause and, and, and pushing that cause. Um, we need more, more of that. We need more people who are able to do that because that, that, that I feel is the only thing that, that's really lacking. And I don't know about saving that generation as much as it is, you know, looking to the next generation and being that example for that next generation and seeing what, what, what damage we can repair as we move forward in time. You know, and I want our brothers to know, man, and I, I appreciate what you said in terms of the sisters not feeling all is lost. I know it's, it's not an easy teaching. It's not easy because everyone wants companionship. And uh, yeah. it breaks my heart because I know that a lot of these sisters could help and um, be good companionship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but to my brothers who may be listening, man, there is something that you can do and it will have impact. I am praying that if you're out there just wondering um, why you can't fit in with the church. Just know, man, that there is something for you. And hopefully, you know, you can connect with churches like the My Generation Church. Uh, Pastor yeah. Dudley will tell you he has a need for men. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> men who are called to principle and want to, to serve, man. I mean, you know, it's, 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 um, it's sobering, but I'm hoping that um, we will find ways to connect to service and have impact in our communities as well. Um, yeah, pastor Dudley Francois is the pastor of the My Generation Church on the, the Greater New York Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He's happily married to his wife, Gina, a registered nurse since 2011. Together, they have two young children, son Pierce and daughter Jordan Taylor. Pastor, thank you so much for joining me on the Water Word podcast. You gave us a lot of nuggets. Um, please, finally, tell our listeners how to connect with the ministry, et cetera. Give all your handles. <laughs> okay, so, so bad. Um, so first of all, Ryan, thank you, man. Thank you for having me out. I, I appreciate um, this platform and what you're doing. I, I just had an opportunity to constantly keep listening to your podcast and what you're doing. I, I feel like it is a it is a word that is, that is needed and just you, how well-rounded it is. I, I don't know. Eventually, you have to tell me your story about how you started this. <laughs> Um, sure. Yeah, but this is this is good. I mean, for us, for the My Generation Church, our you can just come and visit us on our website, uh, www.mygen.church is our website. Forget all of your um, information. We are located currently in Harlem on, on Adam Clayton Powell uh, Boulevard um, between 136th and 137th uh, Street. Uh, in uh, in Manhattan, and so uh, whenever COVID is over, you can find us uh, there. You can follow us on Instagram at mygen.church, uh, and also on Facebook. Uh, just search for My Generation Church. Uh, myself, you can fo follow me on Instagram on Instagram at uh, Pastor Dudley with two D's in the middle. Uh, also on Twitter, also uh, Pastor Dudley with two D's in the middle uh, on uh, Twitter. And 
that that's that's uh pretty much it. Well, am I am I missing anything? No, I think I'm good. You gave so the YouTube it. channel, Doc. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we definitely have our YouTube channel with all of our uh videos on um, different series that we've covered. Whether it was the Daniel Revelation series that we called Promise Kingdom, uh, we have uh, Asking for a Friend series where we have discuss all different questions about church and faith and life from you know why do we believe in spirit of prophecy to you know conversations on jewelry and the church and um topics on um, fasting and prayer and what's the necessity of it uh for men why are men leaving the church um, what's going on with women in the church and the same conversation uh that we had uh from certain series like uh dealing with when we talked about anxiety and uh unforgiveness and um other topics so check us out on our youtube page you can just search for my generation church on uh youtube and you will uh find us uh give us a, a quick subscribe and um and support us as best you can we're actually trying to uh purchase our own building we're leasing this uh this storefront right now uh, that's the, the lease is going to end by the end of 2022 and so we're hoping that through this through some fundraising we're able to secure our own place in harlem and that's going to be so hard uh, but it was hard to get this place that we're in now so i'm just going to trust in god that it's going to be so hard to find a property in harlem you can find a property in brooklyn and the Bronx, but in Harlem, it's going to be so hard. So just pray for us. Um, and if you can support us as best you can, you can um, donate uh, on our website as well on mygen.church uh, slash giving. Um, any support, any um, contribution you can give, that would be greatly appreciated uh, to our ministry and to be able to do church uh, the right way. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. And I, I look forward to the journey. Would love to have you back um, if you want to talk about an upcoming series. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know you're preparing for Genesis at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Book yeah. of Genesis. I, I'm, I'm really trying to get to Exodus, but mm -hmm. I need to do Genesis to get to Exodus. But we're looking forward to it. this year. We're, we're hopefully going to cover Genesis, Exodus, and the Minor Prophets this year. That's what awesome. our goal is with awesome. some other uh, goodies coming up. Thank you so much, Pastor. Blessings to you and the fam, and I look forward to the journey. Thank you so much again for joining us on the Water Word podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem, man. I felt like we need to kind of take a step back and begin to start to um, teach the church about what church is. If we have the chance to build up a church let's build church the right way and that's literally our slogan you know building church the right way what does church look like building church the right way and so in that our, our, our sermons are a lot different our study is a lot different it's a lot more meaningful it doesn't necessarily speak to the um you know oh we're gonna just talk about sex and relationships not necessarily saying that sex and relationship isn't a good topic but you know I, that, I, that i feel like the bible speech it speaks and, and teaches more than what I feel is is the things that we feel attract youth and young adults. Mm -hmm.